Hello, and welcome back to episode number four of the Block Us podcast. Tonight on the pod, joining Dylan, Jesse, and myself are a couple of very special guests. The Block Us podcast welcomes Casey Howen and Amanda Heglin to the pod. Sadly, I've known Casey for quite a few years, and I met him through Jesse's Dirty Dozen Fantasy Football League. It makes me sad to say that I call him a good friend of mine, but there are some benefits of being his friend. One of those benefits is having a very cool guest like Amanda on. Amanda works for the Boston Red Sox as a senior manager of sponsor services. Somehow she got mixed up and down the wrong path at some point that led her to a friendship with Casey. But we're all very excited to have her on the podcast tonight to talk some baseball, amongst other things. I know Casey is a lot closer to Amanda than I <clears throat> than I am, so I'll turn it over to him to introduce her a little more. Why, thank you, Nick. I appreciate that. Um, yes, yeah, so I've known Amanda for over 15 years. We both met while uh, taking Sorry, jobs. <laughs> <laughs> we both met while taking jobs with the Lake Elsinore Storm, which is the Class A affiliate of the San Diego Padres. Um, I was brought on as their director of minor league public relations, and I'll let Amanda tell you a little bit more about, or she can tell a little bit more about her story uh, here in a minute. But uh, yes, yeah, so I've done everything from live with Amanda to go to sporting events with Amanda and laugh, joke, and cry and everything in between. So um, Amanda, would you mind just kind of filling us all in a little bit about yourself and your career in baseball? You bet. Thanks, Casey. Thank you guys for having me. Um, This is actually my first podcast. Um, I'll have you know I am wearing makeup for this, too. Yes, I realize nobody sees me. So is Casey. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I I, I figured we'd have to make that, like, distinction. But, um, yeah, so this is a special occasion for me, too. But uh, as Casey mentioned, um, we are – our paths crossed and, I guess, kind of stayed along the same line from there. But we were in Lake Elsinore together where um, they give you such fancy titles, where as an intern, I was the assistant director of marketing. Um, But yeah, that was really my first job. And after I did that, came back to the East Coast to finish my undergrad and started working for the Red Sox uh, right right from there before I graduated um, from Endicott College, uh, just outside of Boston. Um, So now I'm in my 16th season with the Red Sox. So I've been in the ticket office. Yeah, I've been in the ticket office, um, working in our client services department, which handles all of our premium season ticket holders. And then now for the last 12 seasons, uh, I've been working exclusively with our uh, corporate partners, uh, handling all the relationship management, activation, and fulfillment for um, our 150-plus sponsors that have uh, Red Sox assets as well as assets across our whole FSG family of um, properties. So basically, you just babysit rich people or people with expense accounts that come to games. Yeah, very much so. But it's <laughs> it's the the best babysitting gig. Actually, I take that back because I have watched some of our our players. Say, are we going <laughs> to go into the players. the Pedroia family? Yes, I have. So uh, yeah, so it does actually literally entail some babysitting as well. <laughs> But I did train. I mean, we lived together for a short time when we both moved to Lake Elsinore. So, I mean, you did get babysitting experience right out of your, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was actually my first experience. And um, I think (laughs) with Casey, I'll never have to, like, worry about the, like, how is it, like, being a female working in sports. But that actually was my first experience that I think ever, like, gave me the toughest skin possible 
was um, for the first time ever living on my own. It was with three dudes. So um, that that was a, an experience all in itself that if there were any any lessons that I could learn from that time, that was probably it was living in that house. You make me sound like a misogynist. I was not. I mean, I, I may have given you <laughs> no, a hard not, time. not at all, not at all, Casey. <laughs> but it was uh, it was more of like a it was more of like a like a big brother little sister relationship. Oh, one hundred percent. That's what, that's what I would say too. Is I mean more so in that like I know you're never going to ask me questions about how it is like being a female working in sports without there being some like inappropriate connotation to it. <laughs> It must have so, been a long time ago if it was when Casey still identified as a dude. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a him her he she identifier right now. Whatever that means. It depends on whatever's going on. So <sighs> yeah. So Amanda, before we this podcast goes officially off the rails, <laughs> which it sounds like it already is, which is our worst fear in having Casey on. Can you can you walk us through like what the journey was to actually want to work in sports than actually making it happen because I think a lot of us growing up were like oh yeah I, I want to work in sports I want to I want to you know do this or do that and you know I it's a it's a long and hard journey so can you walk us through on like when you started thinking like this is what I want to do then I have to go work for this you know single a affiliate and you know stick with it through the hard times to to where you're at now can you kind of just walk us through that journey yeah of course so i'm from a really small town in new hampshire i mean every town in new hampshire is small but this one's like really small um so to also be so fortunate growing up in boston around the major sports teams that we do the you know the the success that we've had um we joke to that Um, my mom went into labor with me at a Celtics playoff game. So she actually started having contractions and stayed for the game, went home, packed the bag, and then went to the hospital and had me the following night. So that's kind of So you were born into it. Nancy is a legend. Yes. Nancy is a legend. So So you were born into it. Literally. Literally born into it. So, um, you know, I think the goal when I – knew that I wanted to work in sports. It was at a very young age because um, it was my mom that was taking me to to games. She had uh, season tickets to the Celtics. One of my uncles had season tickets to the Patriots or like tickets were, you know, that's just what you did around here. So I always grew up around it anyways. Um, So when I wanted to work in sports, as cliche as it sounds, like my goal was to work in baseball and I was going to work for the Red Sox. So even when I was doing college interviews for scholarships, like I wish I could go back to all of them now and be like, see, your money actually went to the right place because that's what I'm doing. Um, So just trying to get to that point, um, knew that I like had to kind of leave the area. Um, Boston was that option. But of course, the opportunities were going to be few and far in between. Um, So at my undergrad, we had to do a series of internships and through that, I worked for my high school athletic department. I had worked for the Keene Swamp Bats, which is an NACBL, um, the Wooden Baseball League, similar to the Cape League, um, but for all throughout New England. Uh, and then for a semester-long internship, that's where I landed in Lake Elsinore. And that actually came about um, just by complete, I guess, chance in that I had actually done an interview with the Celtics 
And my school has a really great relationship with the Celtics. They always have interns from our school. Um, I went in being like a super fan trying to interview for that. And I kid you not, it lasted probably 10 minutes. And that was like even the question portion. Um, I came out crying like, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? What am I going to do? Uh, kind of just put it back on the, the back burner. And then um, my advisor reached out to me and said that his one of his college buddies was the GM of a minor league team in Southern California. And uh, at that time, the staffing, they were just starting to get through that. I think you guys, Casey, were on a retreat or something like that for we staffing. Yeah. Um, and so Dave Oster at the time, yeah. you know, was, was talking to him and he's like, oh, well, we're going away. Let me reconnect with you and we'll touch base. I talked to him like the next week and he's like, all right, so we'll finalize plans and we'll see you here in early January. And I just remember calling my mom. This is like two weeks before Christmas. And I'm like, I think that I'm moving to Southern California. And off I went. Um, Like I said, first time being away from home, especially a small, a small place. Um, And then finding out that I was going to be living with guys was like a huge culture shock in itself. And then going to Southern California, which is very different than than New Hampshire. Um, so just had that experience. And I, I honestly say, like, I think it ended up being nine or so months that I was in California. But uh, in all seriousness, the relationships that I've uh, I've developed and friend, friendships that I have from that time are life lasting. And um, I think pretty much everyone in some capacity that I worked with during that time, I'm I'm still friends with and some like much closer than others. So it's, it was definitely like a huge pivotal moment um, in my life, as crazy as that sounds to say. But uh, then I came back to finish my senior year and figured I should probably try to get ahead of everyone to apply for positions and interviewed with the Red Sox doing just a general ticket sales and service role. Uh, They were in the middle of a sellout streak, (laughs) but uh, they were actually creating the department that I'm in now um, to build out another premium area. Uh, and I didn't get that position either. Um, then they called back a few months later, asked if I was still interested and there I've been since. It's a grind. I mean, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. I mean, working in sports is a grind. It's one of those things to where, and Amanda can attest to this, where it's glamorous what you see on TV, everything behind the scenes, not so much. Yeah. Yeah, man, you made it sound like it was super easy, but I ha- there has to be like bumps in the road where like you went, so you went from nine months in, in California uh, back to Boston. Mm-hmm. You didn't get the first job you interviewed for. So what was the gap between the, the quote unquote failed interview and then the, the, the position that you actually first landed? Yeah, so I applied for that ticket service associate position um, and interviewed right around probably just before Thanksgiving of 2000, what would that be? 2005. Yeah. Would that be 2000? Yeah. The Thanksgiving of 2005. And then they called back in February uh, um, asking if I was still interested. So February, 2006 was my first season. Well, I think Jesse, why we always think it sounds kind of easy is because we're so used to Casey just kind of, you know, sucking and fucking his way up the ladder. So. 
I was also going to. I was also going to ask that like you said that you know certain certain relationships. Me or nine months in in California, it's has stood the test of time. Do you treat you know you see yourself you know with friendship your friendship as cases like I see it where you kind of equate that to driving down like the freeway and seeing like this three legged dog hopping along <laughs> you just feel sorry for it that you just want to take care of it. Well, Casey and I lived through um, a day in Tijuana, so I think that we're going to have this special bond for the rest of our lives. Um, But no, it's always nice to like have those friends. And I think with, I I think it's a a blessing in disguise that social media is, was not what it is now, because I think we would have been in a lot of trouble um, at that point. But uh I think that's yeah, that also the, the luxury now of social media and, and texting a little bit differently that it is so easy, like regardless of how much time has passed that I know that like I can always just shoot Casey a message or vice versa. And it's like no time has passed when we do connect. There's, there's a special bond. If you spend a day in Tijuana with someone, you just, it just, just kind of happens that way. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to ask that too, Casey. Um, what, what was, what was his name in Tijuana? <laughs> uh, it was, it was Jose and Jose B. Uh, and Pacifico. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget that. But the things that these girls can teach a man to do with a ping pong ball <laughs> is, is just something you can't unsee. Yes, well. I had newly so. acquired skills from many a times on the West Coast. <laughs> so anyway, back to baseball. Um, so you've been in Boston almost your entire life other than, you know, an internship here, things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think now as we look at 2021 after a year and a half of COVID and not making it political, but like, how is your job? How is like your circle as far as your coworkers been impacted with COVID? I mean, I, I, you know, working in sports, as long as you have, we all have friends across the country in different capacities in sports. And I've, I know people that have been furloughed. Yeah. I know people that have been, you know, um, either transitioned into a different role or, you know, just basically had to go find a different nine to five or, you know, wait it out. So what, like, what's that process been like for you with this whole pandemic? It's been really, really hard. And I think the hardest part was even from a higher, you know, level of leadership, they didn't even know what was going to happen. So that uncertainty was like really, really nerve wracking. And, but at the same time, it also like brought my counterparts from other teams very close together because it was a time that nobody had ever experienced what they needed to do or what they were supposed to do. So we all got to know each other on a whole different level. Like we hosted um, a a summit, an activation summit amongst our teams and with some other individuals throughout uh, the sports industry. And so we just, you know, really got to, to learn about each other. And I think with it being within the Red Sox as well and outside, a lot of people are leaving the industry um, because I think it, it is a grind, as you you mentioned before, and there are a lot of sacrifices, there are a lot of uncertainties. And I think the last year, people just really put a lot of different things into perspective on what the direction of sports might be, uh, especially with so many things going virtual now or 
different experiences and trying to bring the experience to the fans in a different way. Cause not for nothing, baseball's a wicked slow game. Um, you know, people have found ways to kind of get around that. So for on the Red Sox side specifically, I've had friends that I've worked with my entire time there. So, you know, 16 years, that's a really long time to like be friends with people. And um, we were, I don't want to say lucky by any means, but we weren't impacted by a lot of decisions or, or anything until the end of the season. And then we let go 10% of our front office. And that wasn't like furloughs. That's like positions were eliminated. Um, Where'd they come from, Amanda? Like, was it, was it cutting out like big salaries or was it? It was, it was all over the place. There really wasn't any, from my perspective, there wasn't really any rhyme or reason to who or why or, or what. And, you know, I hate saying that. I think some people were fortunate to have lasted as long as they did. It may have been um, an opportunity to like maybe encourage someone to find other opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise, or like circumstances wouldn't have pushed anyone to make a decision to have someone move on. Um, But even now we're not back in the office full time. And those individuals, as they lost their jobs, had to have HR pack up their desks for them because they didn't even want people in the front office. Uh, So now it's, as we start to go back into the office, it's like those people's spaces are just kind of like stagnant. Like it's not like they're really gone. So that's going to be a huge transition as we start to open back up and state of Massachusetts. We just announced today that we're, able to go to hundred percent capacity, um, on the 29th of May. So that's a few weeks or months ahead of what we thought it was going to be. Uh, so it's also now like, do we have the staff to be able to execute at a hundred percent? So it's definitely been a challenge. And in that sense, the friendships that you develop, cause you are spending so much time with the people you work with really having to adjust and, and kind of move forward from that has been really hard, I would say. So, yeah. So- Pre-COVID, what what did your day-to-day look like? I assume you're at the ballpark most days, especially for home games interacting Mm -hmm. with, you know, the sponsors and people like that. And then last year, I assume they weren't allowed in the stadium. So what did, what did the day-to-day kind of look like um, during the COVID? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Pre, pre pre-COVID or even now that's starting to get back into it, but pre-COVID it was, you know, expectation. You were in the office between nine and 10 in the morning Uh, depending on what events we had going on. So sometimes we'll have batting practices for clients or client meetings or just kind of your regular day-to-day business. And then the day kind of gets broken up into different segments where you start to get like after lunch, you're starting to prep for that night's game, uh, getting, making sure all your tickets and hospitality and experiences are ready to go for when gates open entertaining everyone. And then by like seven 30, once the game gets going back down to my desk to, really go back, tackle emails, get focused again to get ready for the next day, next game, next homestand. And for the most part, I would stay there until the game was over almost most days. Um, I live literally two blocks away from the the park, so it's a bit convenient. Uh, so it was definitely a culture shock when they, they shut our offices in, in March um, to not be able to go in and kind of have it be for the first time in however long that like I – was possibly not going to be stepping foot into Fenway. And I've even had conversations with, with Tim Wakefield, who I'm, I'm pretty close with, have just been doing stuff over the years with him. 
And it was the first time in 25 years for him that he had never, that he didn't step foot in into Fenway. So that was a really hard adjustment. Um, solid and, name drop, by the way. Solid yeah, name drop. Solid, yes. <laughs> well, for like context of like things that I do. Uh, but then um, I actually had to go in. I worked about 11 games last year in season um, because our, our um, game used authenticated, authenticated items. We were still trying to, uh, collect some of those to be able to do different things, but we didn't have the people to do it. So my team actually had to go in and work a couple games and gather all the foul balls um, and work with our authenticators to get the the stickers on those and get those all tracked and packaged up to quarantine before we could distribute them. Uh, but it was it was weird and eerie to be around Fenway and not have fans there when a game was going on. It was just a completely different feel. Like I, I thought one of our players got hurt in between innings and it was more so that he was just not happy with what had happened in his at bat and was letting everyone know. And you just didn't realize it because you don't realize what you don't hear when there's 30,000 plus people in the venue. So, so Amanda, along the same lines that Dylan asked, so like what we, you said you had 150 corporate sponsors, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. So what does that day to day look like when literally, I mean, you can't bring them into the stadium. You can't do special events with them. You're working from home. You can't touch foot in Fenway. Mm-hmm. Like what are you doing to keep them engaged? Um, walk, like walk me basically through, cause Baseball suspended basically when when the COVID COVID hit March and yeah. they stopped spring training right away. Yep. So walk me through like how you pivoted from okay, can't be in the office, can't be at the park, can't be uh, engaging corporate sponsors, can't be setting up events, mm-hmm. got to do everything from home. Like, what does that engagement with those sponsors look like at that point? Yeah, we had just gotten off of doing our our corporate trip to spring training. So we were coming off this high of, like, getting ready for the season to just, like, having no indication of what was going to happen. So we had to just really pivot on making sure that we were communicating right from the beginning um, and, and getting out to each sponsor individually, like, we came up with different activities that we could do. So we started launching a weekly newsletter and then we did a weekly kids focused newsletter and tried to find different activities or virtual events that we could host, whether it be some type of, um, you know, liquor or beer tasting or uh, interaction between some of our legends. We really just had to find these points to just stay in communication. Even if we didn't have an update, it was just enough to say like, we're thinking about you. We understand this is confusing for everyone and we'll just keep doing what we can to keep Red Sox front and center. Like we tried to get unique with gifting, uh, sending different things out there just to have different touch points so that we weren't just like dropping dropping everyone off and then trying to figure out what was going on. So we had already started uh, when we knew that we weren't going to be opening on time. Um, It was a really big focus for our team to just get on the phone and have conversations with each one of our sponsors and talk to them about, you know, what did things look like? What was happening in their business and reiterating that it's not just a business transaction. It's a relationship that we have and that we would navigate it. We were fortunate enough, too, that we had money in-house already. So we were kind of working off of that and trying to find balance. But we came up with 
individualized case-by-case resolutions for every single one of our sponsors. We didn't have a cookie cutter approach to say like, this is what it is, take it or leave it. We really customized it to say like, listen, we know we may not be able to deliver on anything for you guys for this year. Let's just defer a year and we'll add a year on the back end of your contract. Or you've paid this much. This is what we can execute. Let's clear out that amount. Or you've already paid us. We can't do anything. We'll carry it over to next year. So it really was customized based on every single sponsor. And the feedback that we got was that was not the same process for, for sponsors across any any league uh, or context that they had. And we actually had other teams reaching out to us like, mad about what we were doing because it complicated them and what their approach was going to be because the sponsors would be like well the red Sox are doing this why why won't you do that um but it was just really important to us to like have it be relationship based yeah that's that's yeah that and you know that probably actually saved jobs for you guys too right because if you're you're getting reports that you're able to pivot so quickly and Mm -hmm. keep your sponsors happy that obviously keeps you guys employed uh, in a a very tough environment where you can't have on-season or in stadium activities. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, I think it actually put me in a position that I, I would have never probably had the same experience or opportunity to be part of the decision or part of the resolution or carrying the conversations to the extent that I did and to what has carried out from that as well as I think it helped me to be seen as a leader and someone who is knowledgeable in, in what our business is. So have you seen, yeah, that's a, that's a good point, right? Cause when you go through like things that you never, you never imagine going through, it's like you either you sink or swim, right? You yeah. either step up, you either step up and find a ways to reinvent yourself or you kind of get lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, have you seen like this year, you, you had mentioned like some of the, the, what you'd offer to your corporate sponsors is let, like, let's just revisit this next year. Mm-hmm. Well, next year's here. Have you seen, is that, is some of that stuff loosened up? Or are you still like in the, in the throes of, of trying to figure out a game plan for the, for this season? It's still gonna, I think it'll definitely be another year or two before we're really back on track of being able to um, execute contracts and, and deliverables the way that we, we want to, and the way that we're used to. Um, because there's still going to be restrictions put in place by MLB about access to, to players mm-hmm. uh, or experiences um, or even still businesses that still can't do hospitality because it's not just a, you know, a light switch changes and everything's back to normal. It's like there's still going to be this this transition period. So, um, you know, there are some sponsors from from the onset said, you know, we still aren't going to be able to do anything because of what our business policies are. So it's still a, it's still a year of, of having to go through resolutions and sponsors that, you know, wanted to adjust based on what the percentage was allowed of fans in the ballpark and what that meant on lost exposure for the, these first two months where we actually started at 12 percent uh, capacity. So. Uh, the smallest ballpark in Major League Baseball, 12% uh, came out to be less than 5,000 people. So that's still a better day than most minor league teams or some major league teams, but um, is really hard when you're used to having a packed house for every single game. Yeah, I actually wanted to touch on something too. Um, I, I work 
in IT, so it's it's hard to relate to someone that Nerd. works. Uh, <laughs> it, it's hard to relate to someone that works with you know so close to customers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because because I do a lot of things where I I don't ever talk face to face with the customer because people don't want to see this ugly face. Um, <laughs> but you know you know for me it's it's like you know some of the biggest things that changed for me were like oh yeah we didn't have you know hands on people in data centers um, because they shut those those types of things down, but. I imagine for you, the, the, the day-to-day like um, changes were that you, that you didn't really think about before COVID and then after COVID, you, you realized like, wow, that's a, that's a huge difference. I never thought that that would happen like that. Um, is there something like that where you could, you could talk about where it's either you never thought about how big of an impact um, being face-to-face was um, and then kind of touch on, you know, if, even coming out of COVID, say five years from now, um, how how big things will change, and how how much this is either a temporary or a permanent change. Yeah, I think you know it's, it's certainly the biggest piece is the people that you get used to seeing, whether it's clients you see in the ballpark, the seasonal staff that are there, and just how much it impacted everyone individually. Because we would even have. Um, you know, certain events that we did this year, like Fenway was set up as a vaccination site. We did early voting at Fenway. And when you got back around the people, you kind of had this different level of appreciation for everyone and realized like how much of your day to day they become a part of. Um, And when you don't see them, how much that does impact you. Um, So I think you're, it's, you definitely saw a different side of people. I feel like whether it be individuals you work with or clients you work with that it, it put people in a certain light, both good and bad. Um, And I think just really helped to understand like how to work with people moving forward. Um, But I think right now the hardest part is, is not being able to provide the same level of, customer service that we're we're used to and expected to provide because of the limitations of of what we can and can't do like our boss is always like you don't say no you figure out a way you may not be able to tell them or you may not be able to do exactly what they're asking but you don't say no you come back with another option that could work for them um, and we just don't have the same access that yeah, we're used just, to so it's, the options are limited right? yeah yeah it's the make goods everyone's over virtual now. That's not a a make good opportunity anymore. Um, And, you know, sending someone a signed ball is different than having them stand in front of whoever's signing it and watching that happen and get a picture. So it just changes that dynamic for sure of being able to provide that, that experience that we're used to providing. And I hope that is something that changes quickly. So going back to like the contract aspect, I'm not, I won't have you like relay any business Mm. plan uh, of secrets of the Boston Red Sox, but did you find, would you say more of the, the corporate sponsors were like, I'm panicked too, because my business impacted, let me out of this contract or, Hey, let's, let's figure out a path together where we can work together and, and, and figure out how we can manage this relationship to this unprecedented time. Like, was there a lot of, we'll, we'll, we want to see this through, but help us out or versus like, I got to get out of this contract right now. Um, I would say, so we, we were down to probably about 30% of what our overall budgeted revenue was for the year is what we, we ended up closing out the year with, which is a significant, you know, drop. Um, yeah. But with our conversations, I think, 
it really depended on the industry more or less. And some of, I think we could kind of pinpoint a lot of the conversations we were going to have in the direction that they would go in that our conversations with these partners weren't, this wasn't the first time we were talking to them uh, or the first opportunity that we have to, you know, be open and have that. So um, a lot of it did, like I said, came down to the industry that a sponsor was in and just kind of what the direction of their company was. Like JetBlue, for example, you know, losing over a million, you know, millions of dollars every single day. You know, like when your company is losing at that magnitude, you know, there are there are things that have to be done when like the Red Sox can't be the bill that you're paying. Um, yep. So, you know, trying to like have conversations like that, but I, I, we, we truly do put so much emphasis on the relationship that when it becomes that much of a business transaction, then we're, our, our kind of, our minds aren't aligned and like our business perspective isn't aligned. And that probably would have been the case anyways, if we went into a renewal year, it was, there were some sponsors that it was an easy out for them. They could get out of it. Um, whereas others were like, listen, this isn't a, a one-time deal. Like we're in it for the long haul with you. And but there was definitely more of that than, than the prior. Yeah. Casey, you still with us? I am. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so do you so are you in the office right now or are you are you still at home or are you are you back in the the ballpark so i am going in more on a limited schedule i'm the one that kind of breaks the rules a little bit more um we're really supposed to be limiting our time to only being there when we need to but i'm i'm past the point of, of being comfortable at home um so i try to sneak in there when i can my boss has been in there the whole time there's been a bit of a skeleton staff that has been there um, and so it's just a different dynamic being in the office. And I think playing off of those opportunities that I'd said that I may not have had otherwise, I think going in with there being so few people that has also kind of changed the dynamic of some of the relationships that I have and conversations that I've been able to be a part of by being around when other people aren't. So do you yeah. see that as something that's like, are there little things that are not going to come back to be normal or is there a new normal? Like what your day to day, I know that your, your job is not a nine to five, mm -hmm. but what is going to come out of this whole pandemic BS? Yeah. That's going to change. Right. Yeah. That's our... like, that's a good question, Casey. Cause like, I mean, if just for, from our business standpoint, we were, you know, my boss for, <laughs> going before pre-pandemic my boss was like anti-work from home right like i mm -hmm. want you in the office yep like you got to show your face exactly like, there's 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 value in coming in every day is there do you see in in your business where there's maybe some advantages on uh, obviously the last year has been really rough on the sports industry but is there you see some positives maybe out of this where it's like hey i i can work from home i can i can do this job uh, from home, uh, when we're back to full staff and, and now I have the, the latitude to, to be able to, you know, take my emails and, and do my quote unquote office work from, from my home. Mm -hmm. Do you see that being a, a factor or do you think when things are back to normal, you'll be back in the office from nine till midnight, uh, on game day? Um, I think it, it goes both ways. I think, you know, for people like I have a coworker that 
doesn't live near Austin and, you know, was part of the conversation on trying to work remotely before. And now it's kind of like, well, there's really no justification on why it can't happen because it's been happening for the last year. So, you know, that gives people that flexibility there. I, I am kind of now, I would have been the first one to be like, no, we should be back in the office. Like, that's what our job is. That's, you know, like being able to bring people to the park is, is why we're in the business. Let's get back there. But on the same breath, I'm the one that's like, I've loved the flexibility of, you know, I need to run errands. I need to fold laundry. I need to do whatever and to be able to come and go and not feel that pressure being watched um, or judged by the people around you because it, it's, you know, it's pretty competitive even in that sense of like being the first one in, being the last to leave, you know, and people making comments. So I think it'll give some flexibility in that sense. But I think what scares me is, yes, now we've all proven that we can work from home and, you know, do our jobs. But as we start to welcome back fans um, in, a, in a larger capacity, I think people are going to struggle with that comfort of working from home and not making the, their own decision on like the emphasis of like when you do need to be around that, that'll get a little skewed and have to like tell people be like, no, actually you, you should be in the office today. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. On one end that might create more uh, opportunities for you being showing up every day. So that that, that might be a bad thing. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's definitely a double-edged sword, but I think in that case, because it is such a grind and the season is so long, I think it, it definitely helps to try to maybe alleviate some of that like constant pressure of working, you know, those crazy hours and not taking time for yourself. Now it's like, if we do have a late game and I'm still around, if I want to sleep in a little bit in the morning, it's not going to be pressure to, you know, have to be, you know, present first thing in the office. So I do like that flexibility, but I think people are definitely going to still enjoy their summer this year. Yeah. And I'm sure there, yeah. And I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some advantages that come out of this. I I bet you guys have identified potential additional revenue streams from, from, quote unquote, virtual experiences that you can offer that you may have never thought of, you know, pre-COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's also a, a challenge that comes with our world is we do have contractual assets that need to be fulfilled and um, need to happen. But now there is that added pressure to bring in that extra revenue. Um, so we have two, two different teams, basically, that sell Fenway Park. So we have a group that's in-house Fenway Park events that do specifically um, ballpark buyouts that aren't baseball related, but aren't, um, but that aren't, they're kind of more community based than like special events. So we started doing college commencements at Fenway this year, Oh wow! but it's like, so, you know, the limitations that we've been told about field access in the past is, you know, now there's like flexibility there. Um, we're being taxed with trying to book as many concerts as we can. Um, so trying to work with different artists to have you know, large scale music shows at Fenway, but those then take away blocks of time to be able to use the fields for other things. Um, I would their- watch Nickelback on a Tuesday <laughs> at Fenway tomorrow. Perfect. Come on over. Come Gosh, on I over. Nickelback. I mean, <laughs> is anyone surprised by that? nobody is is. um so you know there's two sides of that but then that's where we start to get protective on the sponsorship side where it's like 
whoa, wait a second. Like we are, we have actual contractual assets that we need to fill that in big picture, those sponsorships bring in more money than X event. So where do we find that priority and that balance? And it's always, it's always a struggle and that, you know, we can usually dictate a lot, but it's, there's so much, so much pressure of it, not just being Red Sox anymore, that it's, it's Fenway sports management, it's Fenway sports group that, you know, it's big picture revenue for the leadership team, not just Red Sox. Yeah. And I've seen that a little bit too. My, my wife works um, for Dunwoody college right now, but she previously worked for St. Paul college and Mm -hmm. uh, it it was very similar. Um, They actually did done what he's doing their graduation right now at CHS field uh, where the St. Paul saints play mm-hmm. and they've, they've never pre- previously done it there. And it's, you're starting to see more and more um, of these events. And she told me what it costs for them to, to do it there. And I was just amazed. Yeah. <laughs> amazed at how much money they're making just from having a graduation there on a game on a day, they don't have a game. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely get it. Um, you know, I, um, it, it's crazy what, a year of working from home can do for all these businesses and, and how they can obviously start seeing, um, seeing the light of day when it comes to certain aspects of business where, you know, working from home can be a money saver if you really want it to be right. 100%, especially you don't really want to be working in, um, you know, in like the type of uh, real estate that works for businesses. That's no one's buying yeah. big offices anymore. Commercial, <laughs> yeah. commercial real estate. Thing. We did. Thing. <laughs> I, I feel bad. We actually people. did. Yeah. Oh, we, man. We, uh, we, we threw down, I, I don't even want to say, but a lot of money in a brand new office pre COVID. And I think that's driving a lot of the, uh, <clears throat> we need to get back to the office just to justify the spend on a brand yeah. new building. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. The, the company that I work for is actually doing the opposite. We we got a new CEO a couple of years ago, and then we started consolidating. Um, he basically realized that the old CEO was a dumbass, and I don't know if I should say that on a podcast. Probably not. Okay. Amanda, are you guys hiring? Right now anyway, right. No one cares. But yeah, he, I mean, they started consolidating once he got in, and um, you know, we did that pre-COVID, and then COVID was just an accelerator for it, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's crazy the amount. I think we we you know, pre-COVID, we were on the path to do that by, you know, 2024 to have basically like a hub and spoke type of setup. And, you know, the last year we've shut down, I think, 25 offices, um, just remote branch offices and stuff like that, where it, like, why are you, why are you owning and renting and leasing real estate for 20 employees to go into the office when yeah. they can 100% do their jobs from home? I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, that's just, it, there's, there's good and bad things about the pandemic, um, as much as you hate to say it, but um, no, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of sick of talking about the pandemic because it's something that um, I'm, I'm happy to see kind of the, the light of day on the other side now, um, especially all are. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, I'm happy. And this kind of is a good bridge, um, good segue into the next topic where um, it, it makes me happy that we can start talking about taking our masks, masks off and going to Thank large. God. Uh, large my events smile, and stuff like that. My smile's my moneymaker and I've had to and like then, have it covered you, for a year. Amanda, <laughs> you do have a, you do have a pretty mouth. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Casey. Uh, how many times, Casey, how many times have you said that to, to little, to your little college boys in downtown Iowa State? <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> well, that being so, said, so here's my segue. So, <laughs> so Nick's in the Minneapolis 
St. Paul area. Dylan, if he's still around, he's now in Dallas-Fort Worth. Correct. Jesse's in the Phoenix area. Amanda's in the Boston area, and I'm in Iowa City. So that's a that's a a lot of different communities, but we I we both identify with two different teams, right? So Amanda and your Boston roots, and the rest of us really kind of identify at least professionally, not collegiately, because we're we're all Hawkeye fans on the collegiate side, but not necessarily Boston Red Sox and Minnesota Twins, but Boston sports fans and Minnesota professional sports fans. Like, what a different gap. Like, and <laughs> you're a case, like, you, you're a spoiled brat, Amanda. Like, you, you, you've, you've never, you've never seen, like, a drought <laughs> and an ineptitude that we are going through. Right. So, yeah. Actually, and, like, and before we before we get into that too, I just want to say one thing. Um, I know that you guys are big uh, Minnesota fans. I obviously cheer for the Twins, but um, I'm a I'm a Dolphins fan. So I just want to say, I'm sorry, uh, Dan fuck, Reno, right now. Fuck, if Dan Reno can is out, out. he could start out. for seven teams right now. Uh, more than You're that, I, the only thing that I want to say is uh, fuck the Patriots, and that's, <laughs> now we now we can segue. I got that off my top. Perfect. There's okay. there's no Perfect. reason to segue. Amanda is a spoiled uh, <laughs> Boston fan who who wins a championship every one point five years. I know yeah. it, it makes it difficult, and I do have to say though, because this is where like kind of puts things into difficult. Difficult. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I feel like, so bad for you. <laughs> one of one of our um, one of our commentators uh, for Ness, and he does a lot with hockey too. But he was saying um, during the 2018 parade, um, he oh, had parade. to. What's that? <laughs> I know, right? Parade. Which which one? Which one? Casey actually laughed too because I used to always say this until Casey came to town. I had never sure. been on a duck boat before, except for a World Series parade. <laughs> Oh, fuck God. you. I've, I've, been on multiple, <laughs> I've been on multiple duck boats. It's an amazing tour. But oh, I, I, have, yeah. I have since been on there. But um, yeah, Tom Karen, who, who works for NASA, he was... But we went on the duck boat tour together. Yes, exactly. That was the thing, was that... We'll, yeah. get, we'll get into that later. That's, yes. that's later. Yeah, but he, yeah. he said that he was getting ready for the broadcast before the parade got started, and there was his family walking down uh jersey street right next to fenway and the family was talking and they're like oh like where do you think we should go and and watch and one of the kids in the family turns and goes well why don't we just go to our usual parade spot (laughs) jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) that's like always one of my favorite things one of my favorite stories to tell but no it's it's been lucky but um you know when we have our bad years it's it's felt in a completely different way for sure What's a bad year to you? Like uh, we we made the playoffs, got knocked out in the first round. Yeah, like a, a bad year to you is like a typical Minnesota Twins year. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's like it, yeah, if yeah, because it's it's like, well, why do we do all the work if we're not going to go all the way? It's a lot of planning. <laughs> but no, we're we're pretty. It's it's pretty cool to you know, especially in the way that different things happen, like Patriots Day is really big around here, and you can literally go from an light an eleven a.m. game start at Fenway to watching the elite runners run through to the finishers to go to, you know, usually a, um, a 
a Bruins or Celtics game that night and trying, you know, just bouncing back and forth and going to. And that's to... like, that's a holiday, right? You guys, schools oh, yeah. closed and everything in that yeah, area, right? It's a, it's a state holiday. Well, it's a city. It, yes, it's a more so city-based holiday, but the state shuts down and it's usually, um, it starts off April vacation for the state of Massachusetts, but it's more so a holiday because it's a, a morning game at Fenway that coincides with the marathon. I wish like every Minnesota sports fan would listen to this podcast just for the little tidbit of if we're not going to win it all, why do we, why do we even do the work? Because Holy (laughs) shit, the minds, the mindset of Minnesota sports fans of just being optimistic about winning, winning a couple games and making the playoffs is just so stupid. Yeah. I mean, our like disappointment is when we look at the ALE standings and you sit there and you look at how, you know, where it looks and how close it can be sometimes. And you look and say that like most teams that make the playoffs from other divisions, like aren't even over 500 and we're like, okay, so we're in just in constant competition with ourselves. Perfect. So everybody that are seven listeners that are going to listen to our podcast, the first first 40 minutes are going to be like, I really, I, I like her perspective. What a, what a great, what a great conversation. They're going to get this part and be like, Oh, fuck her. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you blame spoiled. it on the wicked easy. Blame it on the wicked easy. <laughs> nope. I'm telling you, she's she's a bulldog. Like she's she's a feisty little thing. So I just want one championship oh my in gosh. my lifetime. That's it. Just one. That's I would be happy with one. I would yes, yeah, we, agree. We, in any of the sports, Vikings, twins. I mean, I'd even take a wild. I don't really care about the NBA, but I I'd they're, they're in the they're a hockey they're a hockey team. Yeah, <laughs> I said I'd even take a while. I'm not even say oh. because I don't care about the NBA. But like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> to Nick's point, like Minnesota sports fans getting excited about the playoffs. Like, what do you what do you want me to never be excited? You just want me to be miserable ever? Like, right? We gotta we gotta take the victories when we can get them. Yeah, Dylan, you like the Hawkeyes, and we have wrestling. That should get you. That should get you by. It gets it gets me by it. It's, it's holy shit. If I didn't have that, I don't know what I would do. Nick, yeah. are you saying you're by? <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. Run down with that. Okay, Rest let's talk. Let's fun. talk after the podcast. Wait, oh my okay. gosh. I've got, I've got dinner plans I can cancel if you're if you're down. So. <laughs> Amanda, so Amanda, jumping around a little bit here, but what's what's uh you know. I guess um, we talked about your day-to-day, mainly when there was home games, but what's yeah. your day-to-day look like uh, during uh, away the games trips. and then the off-season? Are you involved in road trips? Do you go on road trips? or Road trips, bumble, no. Bumble, 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 bumble. Yeah, exactly. Bumble. Yeah, yeah. More uh. bumble. <laughs> more bumble. Because it's clearly working so well for me. Don't, don't out her, Casey. Right? Or let everyone know. It's very single. Very, very single. Um, um, so off-season is, is deceiving to try to explain to people um, about working in sports. Is That's more so your busiest time. Is We yeah. will start prepping for the upcoming season as soon as the schedule comes out. And I feel like it comes out earlier and earlier every year. But it's the second it goes out, people are already wanting to plan. Um, so we use basically, say, from August to December to kind of prep, get everything lined up, get things secured so that when we break for the holiday, you're kind of already set to go. And then when we come back for uh, after the new year, 
everything turns to spring training and then it's just kind of like a, a flow from there. And then in season is really just maintaining everything that's been reserved up to that point um, and, and executing. Um, so when the team's on the road, now it's, that's when we have those special events sometimes. So we do softball games for clients or you have um, concerts. So basically anything that happens at Fenway or specific to the Red Sox where, you know, we have a hand in. Um, so sometimes too, that can be even our sponsors have hospitality at other stadiums um, or other okay. venues. So, you know, that could be making sure that tickets are set up in those cities for those requests that we have. Um and really just prepping for what that next next homestand looks like. So it's a lot of maintenance in season. And then like the bulk of our, our planning um, and, and working with partners is, is the off season. And then come like the all-star break, we're already starting to do our end of season recaps for our partners. So we do a visual presentation of all of their assets and how they were utilized or not utilized throughout the season, and then present that to them at the end of the season to talk through their planning for the upcoming year as well, or use that as um, a, a tool as part of the renewal process. So you're not just, you're not just kicking it in the off season. Then. Right. Everyone thinks we take tons of vacations, tons of downtime. Um, even like players don't understand like what a non, like, what a game day, non-game day off-season look like for people who work in the front office. It's, they're like, they just, they're like blown away. So they're like, wait, so you've already been here for how many hours and you stay through the game? And so most people think you just, you know, show up when the game starts and that's how it happens. I mean, even to interject there, like the first time I was at Fenway with Amanda and I sat on top of the green monster and she had, you know, on the, on the big screen, like, you know, Fenway welcomes Casey Howen, like, holy shit. Like that's like, that's something you don't forget. Like, so I totally get that sponsors thing. Like it's like, it's a, it's a big thing. Like to be back in the stadium and back to like giving his assets and like people like being like, <laughs> devoted to the game again mm-hmm. yeah are you well, well as somebody right now with the with the capacity or you have a ton of sponsors reaching out wanting to get back involved or maybe some that dropped you know wanting to be back now that it's been announced that full capacity is coming here soon yeah april and may were super dead which you know kind of a blessing in disguise again of like they're not really our best months um attendance wise anyways but it was just not being able to offer things was really hard but um as as things are announced across the country or you know within our state specifically we had originally had some um capacity um increases where even like our governor said one thing but then like the mayor of the city pushed everything back three weeks from that so it was like you're getting a lot of contradicting details and and protocols So now people are just kind of like, okay, it's out there. Everyone said it. So we were completely bombarded and killed today with people just being like, okay, so now what? And it's like, we got the release the same time you did. (laughs) Like, give us a chance to breathe now so that we can get through the people who have already been reaching out up to this point. And we'll get to everyone and we'll have a plan in place. Let's just trust us that we'll, we'll be in touch with you. 
So speaking of Casey's last comment, uh, if his name is on the scoreboard, I assume mm. someone lost their job because they dropped the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. no, in all, in all seriousness, uh, Amanda, you gave me the trip of the life of a lifetime through Casey. So I got to give him credit too. But <laughs> before the trip of the lifetime, I don't think you realize this, but Casey through you hooked me up with my first ever Fenway uh, visit. I was there on work and I actually went to the game by myself, but it was an incredible experience. Dad and thank nice. You for that. Nice. It's love. It's always great to hear when things come back full circle again too. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. So Casey, should we should we touch on the the greatest trip ever? Or let's do it. Well, yeah. So <laughs> before that, I actually have a question for Casey. Of course, uh, Casey. When you mentioned that you were on top of the green monster, are you talking about in Fenway? Fenway, or did you have a boyfriend out there? <laughs> uh, both. But uh, my friend Amanda has allowed me to like literally sit on Fenway and catch a effing foul ball. Like, I'm like, 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 it's like, to me, like being in baseball for a long time, like Amanda, like it's, I'm almost calloused. Yeah. But yeah, like that's Casey watching baseball on TV is not being in baseball. (laughs) No, I'm talking about literally sitting on the green monster, catching a foul ball. Like that is an experience that like, yeah, I, no I mean, one, I can. Yeah, I can echo your. No, point no because... one else gets that. Like, it's like it's like not even one percent. It's like less than one percent. And I'm not trying to be like elitist, but like that's something that like you have to have a connection. You have to have a person that knows something or is a part of like an organization, like Amanda is. Like, and thank God for her. Like, and I'm blessed that she gave me that opportunity several times. Also, like I returned the favor at Target Field and <laughs> saved her. <laughs> fucking teeth from you know getting destroyed but like it's fun like it's it goes back to like the whole thing about like you work in sports long enough you know enough people to where like it just becomes like just like secondary like okay yeah it's just like okay i'll put you know casey and jesse on the monster on tuesday or you know i'll put you know we'll go to target field and we'll put amanda and prentice on you know this assignment like it's it's funny how like it's an asset right amanda Mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's probably like the funnest part of everything is like for something that is so easy for me and just kind of like second nature or part of what i do made such a difference in in like creating memories or creating experience for other people whether it be you guys or like yesterday my best friend brought her baby to the game for the first time and just being able to like create those memories are really cool and just even like within the sport industry everyone is for the most part always willing to help each other out because you do know that it's going to come back to you in some way not that that's what you're doing it for but again going back to the relationships and everything of you know, it's nice to have those resources or people that can help you to, to create that is, um, that's, that's pretty special. That's what I love about what I do. Yeah. I mean, you, you gave me through Casey again, I give Casey credit, but the trip of a love lifetime, you. I, I still, <laughs> we, I still talk about that to people all the time. I mean, Thursday night, Casey, we sat on, on pesky, pesky, pesky pole, right? 
You did, yeah. Uh, no, that was Friday night. Saturday night, we were like 13 rows up behind third uh, third base. And then Amanda, Amanda took us up to the Green Monster, sat on those seats for a while. And then on Sunday night, we or Sunday morning, we sat first row behind home plate. Just an absolute incredible experience. Yeah, and, and got to get to go on the field. Go out, you go on the field, and then it unfortunately started raining, so we had to we had to exit. But we were on the field for about 10, 15 minutes, which was which was incredible. And I I personally love that trip because I've never had seats like that before. But uh, on a on another level, Boston is my favorite American city, so being able to go experience that was, was unforgettable. That's yeah, awesome. The pictures you guys were sending from there. And I was just like, in awe, like, are you kidding me? Cause Casey, I mean, very rarely delivers on anything. Very rare. <laughs> so, so that, Amanda, that, that is true. That, that is true. So Prentice and I, who went on the trip with Casey, I was very fearful of like, do I get on this flight this morning? Like, is, is am I going to be, oh. But he he showed up. It was it was it was an unbelievable experience. We went out with you that one night to that yep. incredible jailhouse bar. I don't know what you would even call it, but can you just talk about living in Boston? Because just from from my perspective, I've had the luxury of traveling to almost every major city in America through work, and Boston is my by far my favorite. It's like a small town feel, but like a big town uh, environment. What's, what is it like living there and just being around all of the history and, and uh, the city itself? You definitely take it for granted. Like I, like I said, I had never done a duck boat tour, never done the freedom trail. Um, So it's actually nice when people come into town because it's, I can kind of suggest things or, or I get to take part in it with them because for the most part, when, you know, people ask about what to do in Boston, I get to provide like what that first experience is that everyone, you know, suggests is coming to Fenway Park. So sometimes being able to experience that with other people, but, um, you know, just the, the culture is, is just something interesting. And I think sometimes I forget about it and even more so like not just about being in Boston, but that I can like jump in the car and be at the beach and, 30 minutes or I can go up to Maine or, you know, just being able to, to get around and how accessible it is. Um, but I also forget too, of like how much the area has developed. And like I said, I live right near Fenway and that, that this area alone is completely different from when I first started living here. But, um, Boston, it's, it, it is just definitely a, a special place. And, um, I think the root of that for sure is, the the sports and the the teams that we have and the athletes that are here in that it it creates the culture and there's not a ton of cities that you can go around in at any given point throughout the year you know you see someone wearing a Rockies hat or you know wearing you know whatever jersey or whatever shirt but like in Boston, it's like you, if you were to follow the person in the Red Sox hat, you may not end up at Fenway because everyone's wearing a Red Sox hat. Um, so I think just that, that alone and just, I mean, best food. And I'm not even like a seafood person, no, you, which oh, I know okay. is like a it's sin amazing. around oh. here, but like Ugh. I'm starting. We'll get that in the rapid fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It's just, it's that the, the breweries, the, you know, the cool history that we have with, 
And I look at it too, from the perspective of the partners we have and how people have established their, their companies here and how it is becoming a hub. I mean, having the, some of the best hospitals in the world right here and, and seeing, you know, in some of the unfortunate times of, um, you know, being able to have people experience our city is just something special. So yeah, you, you'll have to correct me on this if I'm wrong, because um, I don't do a lot of research for my podcast, <laughs> but I've, I've been to Boston four times. And what struck me is from the first time I went, it was very historic and they really lended itself on like the his, history of, of the city mm-hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong, but in the later years, it seems like they're making a concerted effort to build up other areas because I think that seaport area i don't i think that's what they call it right yep. seaport area yeah is is all brand new right yeah. it is yeah it's um that is that area used to be like really big for um you know the shipping the shipping industry and thing you know the the barges butters, do you have off. like a tourism like is this like a tourism thing like, butters? like what i mean i love boston i love here? boston <laughs> but I mean, even the Fenway area of like, it was notoriously known as like not being a safe area to be in, um, you know, don't walk by yourself. And now it's, you know, BU Boston University continues to buy out property around here. Even like the Fenway, our group is starting to try to build out around the area. So the development companies are really just coming in and just trying to build communities within this small city. Um, to just make it appealing in general because there is there was a lot of competition for a while for people to live outside the city um, because you, you just couldn't, you know, couldn't really, um, you know, people wanted to have yards. They wanted to, you know, be able to, to just come and go as they want. But now people want that, like, one-stop shop of having a building that has an entire community around it with a, a spin a spin studio downstairs and like a rooftop restaurant across the street and all of that. So um, there's definitely a huge interest in, in trying to develop even like the, the smaller like suburbs of, of Boston. So going out to East Boston, Somerville, um, Charlestown, um, these areas that just haven't always had the best reputation, but like making that a part of Boston as well. Um, you know, just with there being so much history, you kind of build off of that, like uh, the brownstones along the the mall um, here in, in right in downtown. You know, that's such a part of it, too, is, you know, you don't know who lives there, but like you feel like you could just walk in and join anyone that's there. It's just be it's a walkable city and making every neighborhood appealing. Yep, it's a it's a great city. Thank you. So obviously Fenway's an iconic ballpark. Um, probably one of the mo- that and Wrigley, I would say, probably the two most obviously. Wrigley, Wrigley is an absolute penis trough, <laughs> dirt. Like I would, I'll, I would give my life to make Wrigley go away. Like if it's like <laughs> Casey Howland <laughs> dies today, and so does Wrigley, I'm good with that. Like literally, Wrigley Field can go. Fuck a duck in the butt. <laughs> all, your ex, all your all your ex wives should probably be good with that too. I was gonna say what. So if, if I just go, if, if Jesse, I go you can blow, say both. Just you can say I, both. Like all all is like way too like condescending. You should just oh, okay. say both. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, Dylan had a question. Dylan had a question. 
What are, what's your favorite ballpark to visit? You know, other than Fenway, obviously, and clearly not Wrigley Field won't be your answer. <laughs> right. Um, I have been to Wrigley. I used to spend more time um, in the past going and trying to do a road trip or two every year. But I think. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yes. Well, Nance, that was a Nance thing. And she's <laughs> very upset that we don't do oh, that anymore. Mm. Um, mm. Nance is my mom, just as mm. if everyone wants to know. She's oh. a star in her own, in oh. her own world. She, she, she was gung ho oh. for the road trips every year. Oh yeah, oh, she oh, she wow. is like Boston fan through and through, like so, down to the tattoos and everything. So, so Nick, Dylan, Jesse, if you enjoy Amanda, Nance is like seven <laughs> better. times better. She is like she's she's the shit. She is the absolute <laughs> shit. Yeah, we we have a we have a good time to when we when we do things together. But she's just like huge fan. She'll come down to Boston. You made that and... sound like a porno, but okay. That's oh fine. my gosh, I know, I know. <laughs> of course, you would go there. So going back to your question of having been able to go on other trips and see different cities, I think maybe because of the overall experience and we kind of did a, a couple stops along the way, but actually took time to enjoy the city as well. Um, we did a road trip one year where we went to a game in Colorado. Sox started the series there on that road trip and then um, played in San Francisco. So we spent a couple days in San Francisco before they got into town and just the city in general and just yeah. like the ballpark and everything around that. That was just that was a really cool experience. Um, I really enjoyed that. I can tell you my least favorite and was with Casey. It's not because of Casey, but we well... went to... <laughs> we, went to, we went to Angel Stadium, and I think we, we were in like literally the the last row of like the highest tier. That like, I yes. I couldn't even drink while we were there because I was so scared of like any movement, like going down the stairs. Um, so I did was not a huge fan of that experience. Isn't that just a concrete freeway stadium? Basically, yes. yeah. I think you could like see down to the the ground. And it was like a straight walk of like that you was, couldn't we like were, we we were with uh, we were with Alan we were with Alan and Matt yeah and probably Arjun but yeah no that was yeah. that was just like a weird weird setting um but I've I've like been back there since but I love San Diego as well um, Baltimore no, we, we 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 woke up in a shitty apartment slash hotel. At like two o'clock in the morning, and we we're all like passed out. Like it was like a queen bed. Yeah, it was like six of us. Yeah, on the bed, and like the the maid like knocked on the door. It was like a motel, not a hotel. It was a motel. Right. It, we were like, it was yeah, it was shady as fuck. It was yeah. We definitely sure. yeah probably shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't let Casey plan those trips. I mean, <laughs> I did no. no it, and this was not on me, but it was like literally like if you would have opened the shades, it looked like a like like a like a drug dungeon. Like it was like it was shady. AM. It went hundred percent wise. We we did one. We should not have been there in any capacity. No. And I'm so, not sure why we were there. Good, <laughs> but good call on the San Francisco Giants because that's also a, a great stadium. Yeah, yeah. Love and it. thank you for calling Fenway a ballpark. A lot of people don't don't catch that but that's like one of our big things is we're a ballpark not a stadium good to know mm-hmm. good to know so when you go do you try to do like one or two road trips or 
a year pre-COVID or is it just, do you travel with the team at all or is that just on your own make time? Um, That was, that was um, on my own going. And then it just started that we started having more concerts. And if I'm being selfish, I was really enjoying the acts that were coming to Fenway and would (laughs) wanted to be at a concert that I wanted to go to enjoying myself versus watching more baseball. Um, but it always ends up, you know, it's on, on the phone all the time. Um, but we would also do some client trips. Like we've done some women-based, uh, client trips to different cities, uh, just to try to do some different hospitality, try to get connected with maybe more of our day-to-days than some of the decision makers that, that we deal with. So I've been able to see a couple cities that way through our client trips as well, but everything else was, was, you know, personal trips. So last week, you didn't listen to our podcast. I, you know, nobody does. But we had a a, a twins Hi, blog. Love you, we Rita. A, we had a twins blogger on our podcast. I heard uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Last week, and we asked him, working in the business, does that change your fan perspective? So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll ask you the same thing. When you go to a road game, are you able to enjoy the? environment and atmosphere from a sports perspective or do you find yourself like i wonder how they do this or i wonder how they do that i should go talk to uh you know some employee and 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 source them for you know information on what what they're doing or are you just are you able to like shut it off and just enjoy the game so i wish you could see me like shaking my head no during all of this of like my I am probably the worst person to go watch a sporting event with now because I'm not watching what's happening on the court, the ice, the field, the wrestling ring, anything. I'm like looking around at everything else because um, I'm also very aware of what my actions are while I'm there. Like not that I'm like going crazy, but a lot of times I end up talking to clients or like I'm there with clients. So even like my enjoyment level changes on like how I can act, but I'm constantly looking around at, you know, what are they doing between innings or, you know, what sponsors are going up on the video board. And I wonder if they work with this person or I'm meeting with my counterpart there. So it's, um, you can't shut it off. Exactly. It's, it's even like in the parking lot as we're tailgating, I'm like, Oh, like there's so-and-so and, um, but at the same time, it's, it's provided really, really cool opportunities that I've been able to, to share an experience with my friends and family. So they, they take me being distracted a lot of times to, to make up for, you know, being able to go to the game. (laughs) Do you network with people that do are in similar roles with other teams or what's, what's that look like? Yeah. I mean, like I said, like, I think I got a lot closer with my counterparts at different teams within baseball. Um, It's expanded out a little bit more within different leagues as well because everyone's always asking about partners that you have existing deals with or clients that you work with but I feel like a lot of my relationships or in in networking has actually come from because of the access to resources that we have so like one of my friends works for the Celtics so say you know a player from the visiting team or even the Celtics wants to come to the game my department is the one that has access to the inventory. So we're the ones that are filling a lot of our VIP requests. So I've, I'm usually the one like hosting those people and then in turn kind of getting to know the people that I, I set it up through. Um, So develop those relationships, but 
where there used to be a lot of competition between teams. Like you didn't want to share any industry and information. You didn't want to let anyone know what else you were doing. It's just so much bigger picture now that everyone's just kind of like, we're all, we all have the same end goal. Like we're not in competition in that capacity. It's more case like we already have a deal with them or like, what did you do to get the deal and kind of work from there. And I'm sure that, enhanced over the last year right where it's like fight or flight like uh-huh. we need to help each other out because we're all in this together type mentality so yeah. I'm, I'm sure that so do you not to jump around but from a business aspect do you have clients that call you like hey i'm i'm taking a business trip to seattle next week do you know mm-hmm. anybody there that could help me out uh, do you do you find that happening a lot or is it more just centric to to Fenway. It's everything. So it's when the Sox are playing somewhere else or, you know, there's a show in town. Our clients are are buying into our resources, not just mm-hmm. buying into Fenway or the Red Sox. So, you know, it could even be like people wanting Patriots tickets or, you know, wanting to, you know, that see probably the Celtics. minimized a little bit, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Not of all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, but it's it's all in that sense of like I've I've gotten to know a lot of musical acts too that have come in. So like one of our partners is a hotel. So when the artists are in town performing, they'll whether it be the radio station or the hotel will set up a comedy. What, what was that? Remember the Howard Johnson across the street? From oh, the, the yes. Oh, <laughs> the Hojo. When Robert when Robert A stayed there. Yeah, the, the Hojo. Hojo. And now they like renamed it and like slightly um, restored it a little bit. Now it's called the Verb um, to be like an old retro like music venue this, type is thing. It still, is it still Skank City? It's still the the Hojo. Yes, that is exact. It's it's still that. Um, gotcha. But you Ask know, it's for a friend. yes, exactly. I'm sure I could get you a spot yeah. there. Thank you. It was actually the, when the town filmed uh, with Ben Affleck it was used as like their crack den is like what they used to the, the hotel yeah, was in the, in the movie. Sense. Exactly. Uh... Which is exactly what it looked like before they renovated. Um, but yeah, so I think it's to, you know, bringing people to Fenway when they come to, to, to Boston is pretty cool. Well, that, I, that is uh sounds like you've got a very interesting job. And I appreciate you taking all the time tonight to, of course. With with working to come on our silly podcast and kind of give us a little back back uh background on your on your job and, I love and working it. in this in the sports industry. Casey, I love it. you have Even a little if Casey forced you into having me join. No, no. <laughs> no, we I no, I, no. I definitely wanted your I was definitely interested in, in having you on just because just to talk about the COVID uh impact because mm-hmm. like I said, when we when you set us up with the the weekend of a lifetime I just kept thinking like from a COVID perspective, my little view on what you did you in my mind had to change so much based on, little, you know, the last little tiny peeper, last... little tiny, little tiny peeper. Yeah. No, but seriously, like my, like my little insight into what you did, just dealing with COVID like that had your job had to change so much. So I was yeah. really interested in, yeah. in that experience over the last year. It was Casey, definitely got... crazy. Casey, you got rapid fire? Hey, Butters, you ready? <laughs> I was born ready, man. Okay, so let's do this. So these questions are for everyone. So we're going to go left to right. So Butters, Dylan. Left to right? Jess. How do you know where we're sitting? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Fuck you. So we're going to go. 
We're going to go Dylan, Jesse, Amanda, myself, and then Butters. Okay? Okay. Sounds All good. Right. I'm first. All right. I'm go. second. Fangirl moment. Okay, shut up. Fangirl moment in regards to MLB player. Like, who's your crush? Who's your MLB crush? Mike Trout. Because he's been on my fantasy team for multiple years, and he's the best hitter in the history of baseball, maybe. Okay. Okay. Am I next? Yeah. So, right now, I've I've got a pretty sizable crush on Bo Bichette because his hair is just so silky smooth. I, I, mm-hmm. I find myself, like, wanting to rub my fingers through his hair. All right. Okay. Amanda? Um, Mike Timlin. Because you, you, you're family friends with him, right? Um, I do. We do have people in common. Yes. I do remember you saying that a couple yep. of years ago, so mm-hmm. I have a Good memory on that. All right. Yeah. Casey? But if you want to, if you want to throw back, you'll laugh at this one. AJ Przinsky. Yes. Why? I don't know. It was, okay. and it was like kind of a joke. And then ironically, I started babysitting for his family. <laughs> All right, Casey, your turn. Uh, Joe Maurer, always. Yeah. Joe Maurer. Duh. Typical. You know, um, for a while, for a while there, I thought I would get. I was going to say Max Kepler because he's just so goddamn sexy. But he's you so know, nice. I've stood, I've stood up to the guy, and I've, I've been on this guy's side for for years when Jesse has just berated him. So I'm going to say Byron Buxton. It's my boy. That's a that's a, that's a bold move. Um, favorite ballpark, not Fenway, not Target Field. Um, I've not been to that many. Uh, I'm gonna say Coors Field, maybe. That's a cool one. Uh, as I alluded to earlier in talking to Amanda, I don't know what it's called now, but uh, Giant Stadium. I was gonna... the the San Francisco Giant Stadium. I was gonna say the same as I don't know what it's called now. It was AT and T Field when I went there. Yeah. Okay. I think it's named after some like student loan park now, right? Oh yeah, he might be right. Like SoFi or something like that. But I'm gonna go with the Giants. Casey, um, I think I go Petco. Petco is awesome. Oh, I think for me, um, I, I'm with Dylan. I haven't been to too many. I I do a lot of away trips for college football, but not for MLB. But the most fun that I've ever had at an away away trip was probably Anthony's bachelor party. We went to Kauffman stadium. Um, oh, cool. and they have, they, those guys tailgate for every goddamn yeah, game. They it do. was, yeah, for sure. was I don't think we, I think we all left at like the fifth inning cause we were basically on the verge of getting kicked out. So <laughs> we can go. That's a, that's a separate podcast. Um, Stadiums okay. you've been kicked out of. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so speaking of that, most hated, most hated team, Amanda, like most hated MLB team, I, I assume it's Yankees. No, because that's fun. I, I'm first this time. Yeah, yeah you switched the not. order. Yeah. <laughs> so. Go, Dylan. Uh, you go first. Yeah, I hate yeah. the I hate the Indians. I, I don't really? know. There's so many punchable faces on that team year after year. 
Um, the White Sox are trying to catch up to them right now, but for me, it's the Indians. I'm going to go with the Yankees just because it's it's they've brought me so much playoff pain that I it's it's the Yankees by far. Now it's me. Now it's Amanda. Yeah, now it's you, Amanda. I'm going to go yeah. with a specific window of time too. I'm going to say Tampa Bay, Perfect. David Price years. <laughs> That's oh, well, he's he's. First off, he's a prick hole in a half. Like, <laughs> he's not a good person. Like, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather watch you. Anyway, never mind. Uh-oh. Anyway, yeah. Amanda, Amanda, I'm sorry for your uh, one playoff loss in between all the. All the <laughs> I know. So, so you mentioned David Price specifically, and I can't help but think that he was a player for the Red Sox. So yeah, poor experience there. Um, he and his don't incriminate yourself. No, that's no, it's all out there in the public, but he and his, well, now wife, girlfriend, fiance at the time just had not, we've we've all had all, we've all had all those. Yeah. Right. Um, they just had not awesome things to say about Boston, about Boston fans, about the Red Sox. And he definitely had to, um, uh, put his foot in his mouth when he came to Boston and then didn't really do too much to, you know, redeem. Yeah. That. True. Yeah. He was, Casey. he was not kind before he came to Boston. Casey, you're up. Oh, sorry. Mine was the easy one. Mine's the Yankees. I fucking hate the Yankees. <laughs> um, I hate the Cubs. Hate them. Hate them. So, as a flex, how often do you wear your World Series ring? I don't because they're too heavy. <laughs> oh, again, oh, sorry. Like, yeah, gosh. So, um, did you did you get a ring for each championship? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking at them right now. Oh, fuck um, you. <laughs> yeah, so it, it is pretty cool how they designed them, though. But I. Well, that's, um, that's that's good that you have something in common, Casey, because his his rings are also too hard to uh, too heavy. He also has multiple. He has multiple. Yeah, he also has multiple rings. Yeah, exactly. Uh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, it's usually. I mean, it used to be earlier on for special events, like my my. <laughs> I'm sorry, my first ring. Um, oh, I, so, I wore a yeah. lot. Flex, flex, flex. Uh, <laughs> but they're they're really big. How much could you <laughs> sell one of those for? And do you know anybody that has sold one? Um, I don't know the people specifically, but there had been people that have sold on eBay or tried to. Um, there, when I tried to do the um, the put it on my insurance after I got the the 2018, they wouldn't they like weren't going to let me because the combined value was like not something that they could accommodate for like (laughs) what my coverage was they wanted me to basically have this like jeweler level like lock and safe and i'm just kind of like well why have them if i'm not going to like have them show them off exactly so do you get like a do you get like the same ring as the player is it like a watered down not i don't want to use the word watered down but in the sense of like like a, a lower tier than the player ring. So the, again, I hate like saying it like this, the first hey, one. Hey, hey, can you shut up for a minute, Amanda? Yeah. 
we didn't talk about like the Dave Roberts story when oh, he was yes doing literally like literally threw his nine million dollar ring to me across the table in Lake Elsinore. Sorry, that's it. Anyway, yeah, your story. And, but your on story. the flip side, like I couldn't even talk to him because right. it was coming right off of the two thousand four yep. championship. Exactly. And Casey was doing the media stuff. And like, I yeah. li- literally could not even go and talk to Dave Roberts. He was doing a rehab stint um, with us. And Casey being the best guy that he is for me actually got the lineup card signed. Mm-hmm. Um, and my world series hat that I had out there with yeah, me. So that was, was pretty because cool. I love you. Exactly. I didn't, I, that's exactly how I let it off. Um, but as far as the rings, like it's actually changed because like I was still considered part-time in 2007. Um, so it was like a modified version. It was still the same design. Um, and then in 13, um, it was like different, um, like a different size and like a modified design a little bit from what the players got. And then in 18, um, it was like everyone got the same size ring players were, you know, very different um, level of, of the actual jewels that were in there. Uh, So it has, it is modified a little bit, but there's like certain things that are very specific to the person who owns it. So like if you've been around for the four most recent championships, one side of your ring has all four of the trophies on the side um, or like it corresponds with however many, championships you've been there for so my 18 ring has three trophies on the side oh that's awesome that's oh that's that's cool yeah it's really cool is that better than your ring jesse um no because my <laughs> ring is a commitment for eternity so i with my ring well i always joke and going back to that like you know a single alert single alert of like some pretty tough competition for anyone who ever has to buy me a diamond ring <laughs> no shit no shit <laughs> i keep telling my mom that's what the excuse is of why i'm not married is no one no one can match up to my See, world my confusion ring. is like i don't know like like I'm not sure if I love Amanda more or Nance more. Like I don't know where like where to <laughs> I take am my love. I am 100% like, okay if it's Nance. If you meet her mother, like she's like the best person ever. So <laughs> she might and actually to like tell you guys how awesome my mom is. I'm a huge WWE fan, and um, when WrestleMania was at MetLife uh, two years ago, uh, I had the opportunity to go and. I brought my mom with me. <laughs> but this is the same mom that like went to labor with you at at a Celtics game, right. went home, packed her bag, told my dad that she was having contractions. Yeah. And like I probably like I'm a sports fan because of my mom. Well, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you were literally born into it. Yes. Yep, exactly. Casey, what else you got for us? I got nothing. That was um, it? That's your rapid fire? Oh. <laughs> Did you oh. forget that's what we were doing? I think no, we lost him. <clears throat> what a rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we made it this far. I'm like shocked that we didn't lose him sooner. You know he's I mean, probably we, kicking himself now. I mean, mentally we lost him about at the 45 minute <laughs> mark. But physically we lost him right yes, now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> 
Well, I know you're busy. I definitely we all, I think we all appreciate your your time coming on uh, to talk to our our silly podcast. But it was great to get some insight onto what your world looked like during during COVID and and just your general experience working in sports. No, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for the opportunity. It's cool to to catch up with you guys. And um, like I said, being the experienced person, I just you know like to be able to to share. Um, you know, what I have with people. So it was, it was nice to be able to to talk about it and kind of share some of the things that people don't necessarily know what happens in the background. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the only one that's not benefited from, you know, <laughs> Casey and having the ballpark <laughs> experience. Jesse had the Boston trip. I think Nick got a hookup in Minneapolis. So, you know, the twins are playing the Rangers out here in about a month. So, just... You tell me, you tell me, and I, that's, you know, when, it, when I can help out, and I, I try to, so you tell me when, you tell me what. She no. will, she, she will hook it up, she, she <laughs> spared no expense on, on the Boston trip, so don't, I would not, uh, I would take her up on it, Dylan, if you can, well, although I would I mean, not want to watch the Twins right now, but other yeah, than the Rangers, <laughs> I mean, I could probably just get tickets behind home plate for about four bucks. <laughs> right. I don't, don't want to go watch that. But it's definitely cooler when you say you know somebody that hooks you up. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, all right, Amanda, I, I know we kept you long. I appreciate it. Thank no, you so much. No, thank you, guys. This was fun. I appreciate it. And always nice giving Casey a hard time. And while he's not on now, I guess I can say it that, you know, he has been – a dear friend of mine, and like I said, one of no, those don't friendships. I know, yeah, I know. It was going so well. Yeah, all right, come on. I'll end it's... it. He's he's crazy. He's he's Casey, and that's why we all love him. Yep, and good. why we all did this, right? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> all right, so. well, we our guest list is small, so we definitely want to have you back on if you're open to it. Of course, please. I know I like barely touched on certain things too. There's like so many stories and experiences that I can share. If, if people are willing to listen, I can talk. They're not, well, we mean, are. No, that's what I'm saying. People. Even if it's you guys, it's, yeah. I'm, my family's sick of it. So <laughs> I was say, no, I, I definitely find it interesting because you're living my dream. I would always <laughs> wanted to, to live in or work in sports and you're actually turn it into a career and turn it into a career through a, a pandemic. And I, I honestly think that that's, that's obviously something you should, should be proud of it because you've, I mean, you not many people get to work uh, in, in sports and you've been able to navigate that and, and grow within obviously working the boss Red Sox for years and did it through a pandemic. So that's, that's no short of a, of accomplishment. So it's great to talk to you. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Cool. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Much All appreciated. Right. Hopefully, I'll talk to you soon then. Sounds good. Thank All you. Right. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks. Thank you for listening to episode number four of the Block Us podcast. We want to thank Amanda and Casey for joining us to talk about baseball and the Red Sox. We especially want to thank Amanda for her time. It was a super unique view into the other side of professional sports setting that you usually don't get to see or hear about very often. She really is living a lot of sports fans' dreams with what she does every single day. We hope we can have Amanda back on the podcast later this year to share more stories. We hope you join us next week as we talk about the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, the Twins further skidding down the rankings, and potentially some bourbon talk. 
You may even hear a shout out a little earlier than this one for my wife Jazz too. Thanks for listening everyone. <laughs>